Your word, O Lord, reveals your will for our lives. By the power of your Holy Spirit, give us each the wisdom to attend to your call every day and make us ready to hear and obey. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. And our first reading this morning is from the book of Romans, 12th chapter, verses 1 to 3, and then we'll continue uh, beginning at verse 9. So, brothers and sisters, because of God's mercies, I encourage you to present your bodies as a living sacrifice that is holy and pleasing to God. This is your appropriate priestly service. Don't be conformed to the patterns of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your minds so that you can figure out what God's will is, what is good and pleasing and mature. Because of the grace that God gave me, I can say to each one of you, I don't think of yourself more highly than you ought to think. Instead, be reasonable since God has measured out a portion of faith to each one of you. And continuing at verse 9, love should be shown without pretending. Hate evil and hold on to what is good. Love each other like the members of your family. Be the best at showing honor to each other. Don't hesitate to be enthusiastic. Be on fire in the spirit as you serve the Lord. Be happy in your hope. Stand your ground when you are in trouble and devote yourself to prayers. Contribute to the needs of God's people and welcome strangers into your home. Bless people who harass you. Bless and don't curse them. Be happy with those who are happy and cry with those who are crying. Consider everyone as equal, and don't think that you are better than anyone else. Instead, associate with people who have no status. Don't think that you're so smart. Don't pay back anyone for their evil actions with evil actions, but show respect for what everyone believes is good. The wisdom of God for all people, the call of God to all who live. Thanks be to God. God. These large bulletins are helpful, aren't they? Our gospel reading today takes us to the gospel of Matthew, and I will be reading uh, sections from both chapter 18 and chapter 19. Listen for the word of God. At that time, the disciples came to Jesus and asked, so who is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? And Jesus called a small child and had this child stand among them. Truly, I tell you, Jesus said, unless you turn and become like little children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Therefore, whoever humbles himself like this child, this one is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. And whoever welcomes one child like this in my name welcomes me. 
And then in chapter 19, then little children were brought to Jesus for him to place his hands on them and pray. But the disciples rebuked them. Jesus said, leave the little children alone and don't try to keep them from coming to me because the kingdom of heaven belongs to such as these. After placing his hands on them, he went on from there. The gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. College freshmen will soon be heading off on a new adventure. And one of the steps of college entry is orientation. They do that somewhat differently now, but in my day, (laughs) it was the week before classes started. Um, Well, this last week has felt like orientation week for Don and I, uh, as we start our new positions here as parish associates uh, doing pastoral pastoral care. And our question to ourselves a week ago after we were commissioned is, where do we start? How do we get acquainted with the people and the programs here at Covenant? Well, Monday morning came, and I looked around, and lo and behold, Vacation Bible School was starting, and so I started with coming here to their opening exercises that morning. Uh, as the kids and the staff sang songs and learned about staying strong in Jesus through truth, justice, peace, faith, and salvation. I'll tell you, these are hard topics. I mean, adults can spend a lot of time chewing over these topics, uh, debating them, Uh, let alone to hand these topics to our youngest disciples. But I think they have something to teach us because, as you can see, they had a great week. They had fun. They played hard. They made friends and sang songs, uh, heard stories. And along the way, they absorbed important lessons. They lived important lessons about truth and justice and peace and faith and salvation. I think Vacation Bible School just has to be one of God's favorite times of the year because it is so much fun. There's so much joy and so much energy and love in VBS. Children seem to know by instinct that play really is the best way to learn. And they're so good at it. Uh, About a year ago, our Missouri kids were home, our kids and grandkids and great-grandkids. And the youngest, little Miss Addie, was about 15 months. So she was just starting to walk. She was just starting to pick up speed, and it was so much fun to watch her. One of her favorite things that she did over and over again was to walk from the kitchen out the open sliding glass door onto the porch. 
no, no big deal. There was no big step up to get out there or anything like that. Uh, and as soon as she'd get out there, she'd turn around, she'd come right back in. And then she'd want to go out and in and in and out like that. And she, she could just do that on and off all day long. Uh, she usually required an adult. She wanted to hold on to a finger or two to help with balance because she was stepping over that little bit of a threshold and that she needed help keeping her balance. But she had so much fun doing that and we all had fun watching her. No one has to teach children how to play. They're just born with this natural ability to enjoy what they're doing, to be absorbed in curiosity and wonder and discovery and imitation. They are, after all, made in the image of God. And we have a playful God. I don't think I realized that uh, as I studied over and over again those uh, verses in Genesis uh, until I heard James Weldon Johnson's poem entitled Creation. Because the playfulness of God in creation comes out in a unique way in his poem, and I want to share some of it with you. I won't share all of it. it it's probably a little bit long to do that, uh, but you may want to look it up later uh, in order to read the whole poem. It, God smiled, and the light broke, and the darkness rolled up on one side, and the light stood shining on the other, and God said, that's good. And then God reached out and took the light in God's hands, and God rolled the light around until God made the sun. And God set that sun ablazing in the heavens. And the light that was left from making the sun, God gathered it up into a shining ball and flung it across the darkness, spangling the night with the moon and the stars. Then down between the darkness and the light, God hurled the world. And God said, that's good. And then the green grass sprouted and the little red flowers blossomed, and the pine tree pointed his finger to the sky, and the oak tree spread out her arms. The lakes cuddled down in the hollows of the ground, and the rivers ran down to the sea. And God smiled again, and the rainbow appeared and curled itself around his shoulder. And then God raised his arm and waved his hand over the sea and over the land, and he said, bring forth, bring forth. And quicker than God could drop his hand, fishes and fowls and beasts and birds swam the rivers and seas, roamed the forests and the woods, and split the air with their wings. And God said, that's good. Up from the bed of the river, God scooped the clay. And by the bank of the river, God kneeled him down, and there the great God Almighty, this great God, like a mammy bending over her baby, kneeled down in the dust, toiling over a lump of clay, till God shaped it in his own image. Here is God playing the world into being. 
I mean, throwing the stars into the sky and scooping up handfuls of mud and dirt and molding it into us. And God does it again and again as the sun comes up every morning and brings us a new day, as the moon comes up every evening, bringing with it another night. And each new flower and each new baby, God smiles and calls it all good, again and again. And Jesus says to us in the Gospel of Matthew, become like children, become like this. And this can be so counter to the messages that tell us to grow up, take responsibility, work hard, get things done. I know in my house growing up that we were expected to get our schoolwork and to get our chores done before there was time for any TV or any games or any friends over or heading out outside. And I still appreciate that work ethic that my parents instilled in me. But somehow along the path to adulthood, we can lose touch with the art of playing. Maybe it's because as adults we know that the work is never really done. Never. Uh, Maybe it's because our culture tells us that anything is possible if we work hard enough. Meaning then, that if something isn't yet accomplished, well, you know what you have to do. You have to work harder and harder. And that treadmill can be pretty unrelenting. So we don't slow down for curiosity and experimentation. We don't slow down for the repetition of going in and out that door just for the fun of it. Uh, We don't, uh, we're too involved solving important problems and getting things done and crossing things off our list. And when we do play, it's a quick escape, a brief escape, before we have to head right back in and get serious and work at things again. The trouble is that the very things that we want to do, the important things, the hard things, like truth and justice and peace and faith and salvation, they become so much harder when they're devoid of play and when we're drained of creativity and imagination. When life gets hard, when it gets really hard, when there are pandemics and when there are building issues and air conditioning issues and sickness and death, when there's conflict and division, where there's difficult relationships, What we need isn't just to work harder and faster and better. What we need is to bring play into that very tough work, to bring in the ability to imagine another way of being and doing, another way of seeing our world, another way of seeing ourselves and of seeing each other. Debbie Thomas, uh, an Episcopal priest, wrote in the Christian century about a powerful scene in the book, The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. Uh, She's talking about Aslan, the, the lion in this story, 
who symbolizes God and all that is good. Aslan has just come back to be to life after being killed by the wicked white witch. And although this resurrection is a clue that this story is going to have a happy ending, things are in dire straits at this moment. Narnia is in immediate peril. The white witch is gleefully certain that she has triumphed over her enemy. Aslan's followers are dying. But at this dire moment, right here, Aslan takes a break from the solemn business of world saving to play a rousing game of tag. He shouts to the, to the kids, Oh, children, I feel my strength coming back to me. Oh, children, catch me if you can. And, and off he goes, leading them on this exhilarating, joy-filled chase through the hills until they all finally collapse. Uh, in a happy, laughing heap of fur and arms and legs. Lewis writes, It was such a romp as no one had ever had except in Narnia. A moment of life-threatening crisis, and there's a game of tag. Our scripture says, at that time, the disciples came to Jesus and asked, so who is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? Here they are competing with one another in the middle of Jesus' important work, wanting to be the best. And Jesus called a small child among them and said, truly, I tell you, unless you become like little children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. And just like Aslan in C.S. Lewis's book, Jesus takes time out from his life-saving work to talk to disciples about being childlike, takes time out to bless and pray over the children. This is Jesus' invitation to us to be children. It's his invitation to play, to set down our roles and our authority and to become like a child, to let go of taking ourselves so seriously, or as Paul says, to think of ourselves more highly than we ought to. So if we seek to add playfulness to our spiritual lives, what does that look like? Thomas wrote, I think it looks like deep attentiveness, a willingness to gaze and wonder, attend to detail, enjoy rather than to use, abuse, and consume. It looks like collaboration and fairness, a mutual commitment to the pleasure of all involved in the game. And I would add the game of life. I, I think this playfulness looks a lot like being present, of following Paul's charge to rejoice with those who rejoice and to weep with those who weep. Years ago, before my time, those joining the church were expected to memorize the question and answers of the Westminster Catechism. 
I never did that. I memorized one, the first one. <laughs> uh, but it is a favorite of mine, and I keep going back to this foundation. What is the chief end of humanity? What is it? The catechism answer is to praise God and enjoy God forever. And that sounds to me like our work. Our purpose in life is to enjoy. Enjoy God, enjoy each other, enjoy the world, and to play. I think that's what artists do. Whatever their medium is, they play around until they've created something new. Poets play with words. Musicians take the same old notes and rearrange them into a new song, and then they play music. I was told growing up not to play with my food, but you watch someone who's a chef or a gourmet cook, um, a cook like my husband, they, he has never outgrown the fun of playing with his food. I love the verses in Proverbs that seem to capture this. Uh, it's found in the 8th chapter where the writer speaks about being present with God and writes, Then I was beside God like a master worker, and I was daily God's delight, rejoicing before him, always rejoicing in his inhabited world and delighting in the human race. Over the last two and a half years, this pandemic has taught us all that we can't take for granted the privileges of being together with our family and friends, with our communities, uh, our workspaces, our nation, our world. We can't take for granted the privilege of worshiping, of singing together, of seeing each other's faces. And as our focus gradually moves past COVID, as we move out of the shadows into public activities again, as we move back to worship and VBS, maybe the most important thing that we can do is to enjoy God and one another, to play and laugh and sing and delight in God as God delights in us. May this be so for you and for me. As we rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep, we bring our prayers to God. And I have several prayer requests uh, this morning. One for the Llewellyn family, uh, prayers for Estelle Scott, her, uh, Scott's husband. Uh, her husband is now in hospice care at home, so we, we pray for both of them. Uh, also prayers for Jamie and Steve and their struggle for sobriety. Let us bring these prayers and all the prayers of our hearts to God. O oh, imaginative and creative God, your earth teaches us who you are. You are our creator, delighting in us and the world you have made. You are powerful like the rush of water down a mountain. 
and yet you are also gentle like a stream trickling through the forest. You are beautiful like the spring flowers and faithful as the rising and the setting of the sun. Your amazing grace hovers around us faithfully every day. You even made us in your own image, and when our energies have been depleted, you've renewed us with your very presence. You teach us to take Sabbath time. You invite us to play and enjoy beauty. When we have been broken in body and spirit, you have forgiven us and healed us, and you have invited us to join in enjoying this wonderful world. God of many blessings, we call to mind all the ways in which you have blessed us individually with family and friends that fill us with belonging. As we give thanks, we also hear the words of scripture urging us to bring all the concerns of our hearts to you. And so we come with prayers of petition and intercession for those we have named and those we name in our hearts. For those in the news near and far who have found themselves in the crossfire of yet more violence. For our country that we love so much and the ache and pain we feel around the many divisive issues we struggle with. O oh Lord, draw us close to each other's pain with caring and imagination, with play and hope for a new day and a new way. As our schools take a break from classroom routines, turn us all into students of your presence, seeking you in the rhythms of our days and weeks until our lives themselves witness to you by your spirit Unite us with Christ and one another as we now unite our voices in the prayer your Son taught. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen.